Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to your, us your servants grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal trinity and the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. Amen. That's the collect appointed for today, Trinity Sunday, June the 12th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to spend most of my time, we'll read the scriptures together, and I'll comment as we go along, but then ultimately what I'm going to do is spend time in the psalm today, Psalm 8, which is one of my favorite psalms, and I did a whole series of things on it when I had a radio show years ago, uh, just on the question of what is man, because I think that's an important question that that is becoming more and more difficult to answer. In fact, there are people who can't say what is a woman nowadays. So uh, what is man is a deeper, more important question, not than what is woman, but but then what is a, a woman. Um, it's, it's certainly a more important question than that and a much bigger question to tackle. Um, so I want to focus on that a little bit, even on Trinity Sunday, because what I want to talk about is what, what does it mean to be a human being uh, in light of the revelation of the Trinity, which changes a fair bit of of how we understand God and his activity in the world. And so it, it's there's something that you'll see, I think— uh, I hope we both discover it as we go along, kind of what I want to do with this. But uh, anyway, just to let you know, I've had a good week this week. We've we've been out doing a lot of walking this week out in the woods a good bit, and it's been really nice to be able to get out and be back out in the woods. We've been mostly just walking for a while at either a park locally or out at um, the Arboretum. On a, There's a road, essentially, that runs alongside a cr- um, the creek that runs through there. And um, so we've been mostly walking on those, but this week we've, we've gotten out a little bit more and, and started getting out back out into the woods, and that's been a really good thing. I, I love being out in the woods. So that's been great. And um, anyway, it's been, we've had a good week by and large, I think. Um, we've got some issues we have to take care of at the house. We have a foundation problem that was caused by some water. And uh, so we've had somebody come out today and do an estimate on that. Super guy. Really enjoyed talking to him. And uh, anyway, so it's been sort of a, uh, a busy week in a lot of ways. Uh, I had dinner with some friends and went out with friends on another night. And so it's been it, it's been really good. It's been really rewarding. And uh, we're still just kind of in this holding pattern of, what, Lord, what do you want us to do and where do you want us to go? What do you want us to be? So we're we're there and uh, and we're just sort of moving forward with life as best we can right now and um, just kind of hanging on and see what the Lord wants. So anyway, um, I'm positive that he'll reveal it to us. He always does. Whenever we ask him that question, whenever we lay our lives before him and say, Lord, it's it's whatever you want, wherever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, I'm available for that. Um, then he's he's good to to say, okay, there you go. Now I can and move you where you want to be. Um, the the last time when we came here to Asheville, it, the last few months were were kind of miserable for us. Actually, we were working at a fantastic church. There was some issues and some struggles at the time in the church, but um, but we were um, we we were ready to move. And about six months before um, we ever got the opportunity to move, we we believed we knew where God wanted us to be. And so every day we'd go out and we'd walk the dogs and the kids <laughs> and wander around out on a golf course near the house and we'd just pray. And, and the prayers were, were just, Lord, please now, please now, please now, today, please. 
it was uh, so right now it's a little more relaxed <laughs> than that. So we're we're sort of um, just in this holding pattern right now, and, and I think that's that's a good place for us at the moment. So not anxious about anything, and uh, so it's it's good. So anyway, let's get started with this. This is always the, my least favorite Sunday to preach, um, largely because it, when you start trying to talk about the Trinity, it, it's difficult because you can't really use analogies. Any, any analogy you use, literally, will be heresy. Um, and you may not be aware of it, but if somebody explains it to you and says, yeah, well, you're right there. It, it is the same. You know, so the, sort of the best one that people come up with is the is a clover and because uh, it's all one but it has three distinct um lobes on it and so i want to read to you first a little bit of the creed of saint Athan- athanasius who who's, this is sort of the the perfect trinitarian thing i'm not going to read the whole thing because it, it's quite long and it's quite involved i'll give you enough to get the flavor of it okay so Whosoever will be saved, uh, will, before all things, it's necessary that he hold the Catholic faith. Catholic means universal, not Roman Catholic. Which faith, except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt, he shall perish everlastingly. So in other words, if you, if you try and take away from this or add to it, then, then you're, you're not going to have everlasting life. And the Catholic faith is this that we worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. So you can't mix the the persons individually. The Father is separate, the Son is separate, the Holy Spirit is separate, but you also can't divide the substance because they're all of one being with the Father. For there's one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost, but the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory eternal, the, co- the equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such as the Son, and such as the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreate, the Son uncreate, the Holy Ghost uncreate. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet, they're not three eternals, but one eternal. And also, there are not three incomprehensibles, nor three uncreated, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty, and yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord, and yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. For like as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge every person by himself to be both God and Lord, so are we forbidden by the Catholic religion to say there are three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is, the fa- is of the Father alone, not made, not created, but begotten. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. I mean, you see how this is. You see how complicated it is to even try and speak about the Trinity without committing some sort of a heresy. Um, but it, but it's really well done, and, and if you just look it up, it's the Creed of Saint, Saint Athanasius, A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S. It's the best treatise on uh, the Trinity that you're going to find, um, and it, it, but it is. It's it's very much a, a tricky sort of a thing because the, the the reason that that Jews refuse to believe is because the Jesus said He and the Father are one, and there's only one God. So if if Jesus and the Father are one, well, one and one makes two, except in Trinitarian math where one and one makes one. In fact, one and one and one makes one. So you've got to to kind of you have to have the Holy Spirit, actually, to even begin to understand this or hold it all together in tension in your mind. 
And so it, in the Proverbs lesson today, we've, what we've got is Proverbs 8, verses 1 to 4 and 22 to 32, and it speaks of wisdom. And wisdom is, a, is more or less the Holy Spirit, um, that, that wisdom is, is mostly speaking of the Holy Spirit as far as the way Judaism understands this passage that I'm getting ready to read. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. So the, that it's it's the personification of the Holy Spirit, which gives the the, the Holy Spirit, which is a person, so it can be a he. Um, it, it's the, the Holy Spirit. It it's common and it's easiest <laughs> to use the word it, but it's a person. So the Holy Spirit is a person. See, I just did it. Um, but it but the the personification of wisdom is the call to human beings to understand. God's ways. That, that's the way to, to think of the Holy Spirit, is to help you understand God's ways and to navigate life, so that you will have the wisdom necessary to understand what's actually going on around you, and to see it the way God sees it, and to see then the way through things the way that God sees through things. So he's giving us of his Spirit in order that we would understand life and our place in it, and also to understand him and his ways. So we should have—we have access through the power of the Holy Spirit to a different, deeper wisdom that's also eternal. And having eternal wisdom is to see things with the longest possible view, and to understand them in ways that are inaccessible to other people. It's, it's not Gnosticism, because it's the same Holy Spirit that's available to all people, and, and Gnosticism would claim to have a different spirit that's not available to everyone. Uh, it, it's only available to a, a certain few who, who know things that nobody else knows. Frequently, Sadly, in the charismatic and Pentecostal wings of the church, frequently these people will will not they won't call themselves that. They will call themselves prophets or they'll call themselves some exalted position in the church and, and thereby they're then looked to as people who who have access to a deeper wisdom. Well, the person that I found to be the most prophetic person I have ever known in my life is a guy who who spent two or three hours a day every single day in prayer. That's how he began every single day. He would go to a little prayer cottage that was on the campus of the church in South Carolina, and he would pray over the directory of the church. And, and so he, I knew he did that for a long, long time. I was aware that he was doing that. But then I went on staff, and right after I went on staff, he invited me to breakfast. We were friends, and so we went and had breakfast or lunch pretty regularly together. And, and he, was an, he was an older man. He was a lot older than me. And so he invited me to, to breakfast and said, bring a paper, some paper and a pen. I said, okay. So I got there, and we talked a little while. And I said, so what's the paper and the pen for? And he said, I'm going to give you a list of names. These are the people that the Lord lays on my heart, the people that you'll need to be in contact with. Because over time, he's proven to me that he's given me these people's names for reasons. I said, okay, fine. So I took down all these names, and at the end of it, he said, let's get together in a month. And so we did, and, and I said, oh, wow, man, this is unbelievable. Almost every name on this list was somebody that I needed to have contact with this month. There was something going on in their lives. And so we did that for the next three years while I was on staff there. And, and it was a great help to me, but that was the prophetic 
uh, gift that he had, and that was just God showing him things. He didn't he didn't show him necessarily the, what was going to go on with that person, but just that there was something this person would need pastoral care for during this next period of time. He wouldn't say, is this person going to get cancer? This person's going to... No, that was not the way it worked. It just worked that these are people... And it, and it wasn't that I went out of my way to to connect with these people. It, it was literally the, the people that I would find out about one way or another that... And it always matched his list. I had one lady that was on there like several months in a row. And after the first month, I said, you can take that name off because here's what's going on. And he would say, no, uh-uh, nope, that's not it. And then the next month, we did the same thing. I said, you were right. It was this. Nope, that's not it either. And it was only years later did, that he ever said to me, this really was never about her to start with. It was about her husband. And I didn't have, you know, I had no earthly idea. But then later what I found out was that he told me, the husband did. We, we happened to be back in Paulie's Island visiting for 4th of July. And they were at a, we were at a, at a friend's house where we watched the fireworks straight down the marsh in Merle's Inlet. And so this guy said, John, you know, I know you're here to watch the fireworks, but... Um, but I also know you well enough to know that you're here for people. So can we talk? I said, yeah, sure. So he told me what was going on in his life during that period of time, which at that point was probably five years before. And he was talking about how important the work was the Lord was doing in his life while his wife was going through a series of, of some, in some cases, really bad health challenges. She got a really bad um, infection in the hospital, a MRSA infection. She was in intensive care for about six weeks in a coma because of this MRSA thing. and But he, his thing was, this is what God did in my life during that period of time. And it was clearly the most important thing that happened. And so that's what I, when I see prophetic stuff, that that's kind of, that, he, he, that my friend there, Ken, was my gold standard. Other people, sometimes I could tell you were just prophesying out of your own spirit. You know, this is, this is something you'd like to see happen, or you've misinterpreted your own prophecy. So I, I, I'm, I'm careful about the way I deal with things like prophecy and people who call themselves prophets. So anyway, it goes on to say, now wisdom is going to speak, right? So the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. So I preexisted all of these things aspects of creation before he made the earth with its fields on the first of the dust or the first of the dust of the world. I love that little passage right there. Before he made the earth with its fields or even before the first of the dust of the world from which we were taken. When he established the heavens, I was there. And, and that, thinking about the idea of the first of the dust of the world, that, that is, to me, it's the, it's the stuff left over after the real creation happened, right? I mean, it's just, well, okay, so this stuff just sort of shook out. Uh, but we were made from that stuff. From, from the, the stuff that's kind of left over from creation, and, and then to dust we shall return. And so there's a reminder in there uh, that we were created while wisdom, the Holy Spirit, was not created. Wisdom was there at creation. And so what the invitation here at the beginning was is, is the invitation is to learn this eternal wisdom, but at the same time it's a reminder that we're not eternal. And this, the creation of the first of the dust of the world is part of the reminder of, yeah, even the dust was there before I was. So then it's like, okay, if I can tap into this eternal wisdom by which the world was created, through which the world was created, then, then I have a leg up <laughs> on people who don't have access to that. So anyway, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made 
firm the skies above. So he's giving limitations to all these pieces of, of uh, creation. When he made firm the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage about the, this personification of wisdom and, and how wisdom was, was the instrument through which the world was created. And then John tells us, right, in his gospel that the Word was with God and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And so wisdom, the Word, and, and the Father, all there at the beginning in creation. And so if we connect with the Trinity, then we have created connected with the intelligence that that formed the earth. And it's not just intelligence, it's also wisdom. It's the knowledge of what can be and what will be that that drives everything. Because when, when the Lord created all things, he was he, Jesus, before the foundation of the world, was appointed to do the work that he did. It wasn't God's response to what actually happened. He already knew what would happen, and therefore Jesus was the response to what he knew would happen before the foundation of the world. And so Jesus is the foundation of the world because he preceded creation and and his mission preceded creation. And so when wisdom says here that he rejoiced before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man, that sets him apart in Jewish lore from um, the angels. Because there's this wonderful story about the angels being asked um, their opinion about God creating man, and they could see they had wisdom as well. And so they saw and said, no, 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 you don't want to do that. It's They're going to make a mess of your beautiful creation if you do that. And so, well, he got rid of those angels, and then uh, later called some others, and they gave him the same advice. And then another, and there's an archangel that, that takes them to, to him, and they get in there, and, and they've been warned. And so they said, no, 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 go for it. <laughs> but... Once the fall happens, and once it gets to Genesis 6, where, where the flood, then those angels come and say, we told you so. They didn't know God hadn't revealed to them the entire plan, the plan that included Jesus. And so that they weren't aware of, of the plan for redemption, for God's creation, from the mess we made of it. And so that, that wisdom was there, delighting in, in, in the children of man, tells us that, that wisdom knew something those angels didn't know. In the gospel, it's a very short gospel lesson, very short epistle today. Uh, gospel is John 16, uh, verses 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. This is Jesus speaking. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for you will, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So Jesus is saying, you know what, I can't stay with you forever because, well, I'm a man. You know, that's the thing that's so kind of hard to grasp at some level, that, that Jesus is not going to physically stay with us forever because he was a man. He is the Son of God, but he was in human form, as Paul says in Philippians. Um, he was found in human form, and then not only that, he was found in this form of a servant. So, so Jesus, the, the man, wouldn't be here forever, but, but he did promise that after he was gone— 
then he would give this other one, the spirit of truth, who will guide you into all truth. I can't speak of all things. Now, my time is limited. I can't discuss everything with you. And so you're going to need this guide because you're going to continue the work that I'm doing now, you're going to continue it. And then the people after you will continue it. And so to make sure there's good continuity, I'm going to give my spirit to my people. And he's going to guide you into all truth because the, the way the world changes, you need to apply the wisdom of God to your unique situation. And, and that's what the, the, the large part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us navigate life. For instance, in, in um, Acts 15, what you get is, is that in Acts 14, Paul has finished his missionary journey. They've already had one little discussion about the Gentiles because they had to meet to talk about what happened with Cornelius when Peter was there. And now, though, there's a bigger problem because Paul's out there doing all this work, and he's bringing Gentiles into the, into the church— And then they've got to figure out, how do we bring him in? And then there's a controversy, because as he's gone on his missionary journey, there's some people who come from Jerusalem who have gone to to Antioch, which is in Turkey, and they've they've gone there, and they've started teaching them about circumcision and the law and all this stuff. And so now there's a dispute about all of that, and then that has to be settled. And so you go in Acts 15, there's a meeting in Jerusalem, and Paul and Barnabas go along with these others. And so there's a discussion, and then James says, this is, you know, we're going to limit the things we're going to require of these Gentile converts, and it's not going to include circumcision, and it's not going to impose the entire law on them. So we're going to make it this thing. And when he sends the letter, he he says, it it seemed good to us to send um, uh, Barabbas and Barsabbas, sorry, who's also called Judas, and Silas to you, along with this letter. But it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to limit the things we're going to require of you. So we made a decision to send these people because on a human level it seemed good that you have representatives from here who could vouch for the authenticity of the letter, but, but it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to impose these limitations and these limitations only on you. So that's what where it says that, that he's helping him, he, the Holy Spirit, helps them navigate what do we do with the Gentiles. And, and so the, the Holy Spirit said, nope, let's limit in this way. You, you, they don't have to take on the law. They don't have to take on circumcision and all that kind of stuff. And so in that way, the Holy Spirit helps us navigate the, the situations that we face in our lives. Now, a couple thousand years later. So he, he says he won't speak on his own authority. Jesus said he didn't speak on his own authority, and the things he did, he said he only did them as he saw the Father doing them. And he says, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he could say, just like I have. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus said he took what the Father said and did, and then he declared it and showed it to the apostles. Here, what he's saying is, the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you, in the same way Jesus has taken what is of the Father and declared it. But then he goes on to say this is an important qualifier to point us to the Trinity. All the Father has is mine. So if he takes, if he, the Holy Spirit, glorifies Jesus by taking what is mine, Jesus's, and declaring it to you, then it's important for him to loop back and say, all the Father has is mine. So I don't have anything that I don't get from the Father, and the Father doesn't keep for himself things that he doesn't give to me. All the Father has is mine. So what is mine is the Father's. 
Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you because he had to he had to go back and loop back and clarify that to make sure that the Trinity, the understanding of the Trinity was preserved by going back and saying all the father has is mine because the Holy Spirit's going to take what is Jesus's and declare it to, to us. And then he has to loop back and say all the father has is mine. So whatever I have is the father's. So it, it's all the same. Therefore, I said he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. But what I meant is he will take mine, and the, which is the father's and declare it. In the epistle, what you've got is is Paul saying, speaking to the Roman church in um, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the mediator between us and God by faith. By faith in Jesus, we have peace with God because we believe in the Son and his unity with the Father. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. So what we know about Jesus is transferred to the Father. So the Father proclaimed on his name way back in Exodus 34 that he was gracious and merciful, uh, loving, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, uh, all the attributes of God that Maimonides elucidated in, in the 13 attributes, uh, divine attributes, um, come from that one two-verse passage. So that then sets the stage for us to understand Jesus, but not separate from God, because God declared himself to be merciful and compassionate and abounding in steadfast love for generations, but who didn't leave the guilty unpunished. So there's justice which is a really important thing because we want justice ultimately. But if, it's, if he's just just, then all sin means death. So we need a God who is, who is abounding in steadfast love, merciful, compassionate, all those things. We need that. And Jesus comes to show us the face of that and the truth of God's love and God's mercy, his compassion and his grace in the cross, but also in the incarnation for God so loved the world that he sent his son. So that's the important part of uh, the first part of grace and mercy and love is the incarnation itself. And without the incarnation, then the cross is meaningless. And so the fact that he becomes the God man and the, the, the God man takes our sins on himself at the cross as the atoning sacrifice for those sins, and then is resurrected from the dead, means our humanity is also going to be resurrected from the dead, but it's a perfected humanity in a perfected body. But the incarnation is the beginning of the expression of grace in the New Testament. And then it it continues through everything else, not least of which is the, the fulfillment of the promise to be with us, even to the end of the age, in the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And so we see the entire Trinity wrapped up in this. But So we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces, produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So the, the entire Trinity is in that one five-verse passage, just as the, Holy, the Trinity is also in those four verses that I read from the gospel. So it's the Trinity is shot through everything. Now, in the Old Testament, there was, there was a different understanding of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out on all flesh. There was a promise that he would be in the book of Joel, but the, the 
the fulfillment of it waited for the day of Pentecost. It waited in, in order that, in so many ways, that God could bring in Gentiles into the kingdom and that we would have understanding, that we would have understanding that comes from the Holy Spirit. It, it, we help us to understand the Word of God, the will of God, and the purpose of God. And so in the, in the giving of that, then, then we see more clearly the answer to the question that David asks. I'm going to read Psalm 8 real quick. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. This is a very strange transition. What is man that you're mindful of him? and the son of man that you care for him. So David is looking and peering into the, the universe, and he's, he, he's only seeing a fraction of what we know now. We know now that, that our universe is about 93 billion light years across. So it, it's so far that, that it's impossible to even imagine. It might as well be infinite. Might as well be absolutely infinite. And so it's, the, the universe is so huge it actually might be 250 times larger than the observable universe, or at least 7 trillion light years in diameter. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable to imagine. It would take, at the speed of light, at the speed of light, it would take us 100,000 years to travel across just the Milky Way, which is an average-sized galaxy in the universe in which is we believe there are maybe two trillion galaxies. So if it takes 100,000 years to cross the Milky Way at the speed of sound, now think about multiplying that by, say, two trillion, and that's how long it's going to take. It is absolutely enormous. And so David goes from the contemplation of the universe to the, to the, down to man in a second, you can see this shepherd out there in the fields looking up and, and, and seeing the stars and all that and contemplating all that and then asking the question from that. So given the fact that the universe is so vast, what in the world am I? How in the world am I even here? And, and the Son of Man, he says, that you even care for him. The fact that God loves us, the God who created all that through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the instrumentation of the Word of God, Jesus, then how could it possibly be true? that I matter at all in light of the size of the universe. And David only had the smallest conception of that. He says, yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. I mean, I'm so inconsequential in light of what I can see. It's unbelievable. And yet at the same time, you've chosen to have a relationship with a thing like me. It's amazing. And I'm the only one in the universe that can give voice to praise of you or understanding of you man is in a weird weird place in the universe when you think of it that way we're the only creature in the known universe who can communicate with god who can understand god and who was made in the image of god it's an amazing thing to contemplate who we are in the in the incredible glory that we possess and that we will possess in glory when we're perfected he says, you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the seas, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. In other words, at the bottom of the seas, what he's talking about. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I mean, you lift God up into this incredible place, and, and then suddenly it, what we are becomes a central question. And you can understand that. What is my life? 
What is, does my life have meaning? Does it have purpose? Considering how inconsequential in a physical way I am in the universe, how could it possibly be true that I am consequential to the creator of that universe? And that's why the Trinity becomes so important, to be honest with you, because otherwise we could just piddle along in, in our little world and we could get involved in every little conflict and we could misunderstand everything. But the understanding that, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and, and the coming of the Son and the giving of the Spirit and, and Christ living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit today that we have the spirit of the creator of the universe in us, that wisdom that calls at the gate, the wisdom that beckons us to it, should be the wisdom we seek more than anything else in the world, shouldn't it? If I really want to know how to, how to navigate life and how to understand all this, the only way that I can do that is if, if, if the one who created it all, who sustains it all, who redeemed it all, if he gives me some of his spirit. In the Old Testament, you would see prophets getting his spirit, leaders getting his spirit, and then with Moses, he said, I'm going to take some of the spirit that's in you and give it to these other people. Now, we, we can't even conceive of that idea because I, what I have of the Holy Spirit doesn't diminish what you have of the Holy Spirit. So he's not taking a part of what John has and giving it to Sally. No, we all get the Holy Spirit by believing in the Son. So we believe in the one the Father sent, who is one with the Father. We believe in him, and we believe that that he is equal with the Father, and we believe that he took on our sins, and that his resurrection from the dead wasn't just a reward for life lived perfectly. No, it it was a reward for life lived perfectly and the self-sacrifice of taking on the sin of the world, the willingness as an innocent to be the victim, to be the sacrifice. You know, lambs don't have any choice. Jesus did. And so the, the, the belief in the Son who willingly took on our sin and took on death in order that we might be able to receive life through the power of the Holy Spirit shows us so much about the Trinity and so much about the love of the Father that he sent the Son and the love of the Son that he came, and the love of the Son that he and the Father send the Spirit to us so that we can participate in the divine life now. We can have a little foretaste of what it means to, to live that way always, to be in his presence. And so now we get him living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that elevates even further what is man. Man is the one God chooses. He's the one in whom God has chosen to dwell, chosen to give dominion over all things, and to give his eternal wisdom in order that there might be a people who give glory to him. And so when we worship, we worship in spirit and in truth. We worship um, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship all those together as one not separate beings and entities. No, it's one person of the Trinity, three persons, one substance. And the only reason we are allowed to be part of that is because of the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the love of the Holy Spirit. So it's it's just this incredible gift to us that we, we can worship without full understanding 
and that we can just persevere in our lives in ways and in difficult circumstances, like Paul says, we even rejoice in our sufferings. That's another way that Christians are supposed to be different from other people. We rejoice in our sufferings, and we can only do that because we know the truth. We know the truth is this, this is not all. There is life after this for us and for those we love who are in Christ Jesus. And so we know that, that when we say goodbye, it's only temporary. It's only temporary. And we know that because the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Spirit to certify that truth in the lives of those who believe. Today's a good day to sing holy, holy, holy.